flaming fish performance models, handmade miniature wooden sailing vessels, on the web at flamingfish.net. Little ships for big kids. Support for Boat Talk also comes from Front Street Shipyard, a Midcoast, Maine boat building, repair, and storage facility located in Belfast. Front Street Shipyard on Penobscot Bay, offering dockage, service, and amenities for owners, captains, and crew. Online at frontstreetshipyard.com or 930-3740. The time's 10 o'clock and you are tuned to WERU-FM 89.9 Blue Hill, 99.9 Bangor, and streaming online at WERU.org. Boat Talk with your hosts Alan Sprague and Mike Joyce is up next. Good morning, good morning. It's the second Tuesday of the month, 10 o'clock. That brings around Boat Talk here on Community Radio, WERU-FM, Blue Hill, 89.9, 99.9 in Bangor and on the internet at weru.org, Boat Talk is a call-in radio show for people contemplating things naval with your um, even rustier anchors, Mike Joyce and Alan Sprague. Boat Talk is uh, one of the shows that's very close to COD. <laughs> All right. Uh, Did you just think that up? Because we were just, I, just, just talking d- about uh, right there, cod fish. Down. Yep. Man, uh, you know, he's not only the punny one, he's quick, too. Uh, well, I ain't. <laughs> <laughs> quick as a sea slug. Close to cod, all right, yeah. Um, we have a whole raft of things to talk about today. Um, why don't you head out? Uh, we do. <laughs> I'm glad to hear it. We hope today to talk to uh, Andros Kipagoros. He's He'll be down in Camden uh, putting the schooner Bowden back together today, the uh, historic... Uh, Maine Maritime-owned uh, Arctic Schooner Bowden, now sail training vessel for Maine Maritime Academy, getting a uh, brand-new deck and, as a product of the deck, something of a uh, extra uh, rebuild. It's always uh, fun when you start taking a boat apart and discover stuff that you didn't oh, think was, uh, oh, look at that. Kind of comes with the territory, yeah. uh, yes. Uh, you never know what you got till you rip it apart, and it's always going to be a little bit more than you expected is just the nature of the thing and that's what they're doing down at camden down to the old uh, wayfarer now lyman morse uh, marine down there and we'll talk to andros in a while we'll oh maybe tell you about the uh, bowden in general refresh you on our history and uh, cod is on the radar too it is sonar Uh, so yes (laughs) yes probably more sonar than radar Um, but yeah there are more cod showing up so probably some more cod showing on the radar you're right yeah there's a pretty interesting story here in the fisherman's voice uh cod are making a big comeback down to newfoundland where they just flat out more or less uh disappeared about uh 30 uh, odd years ago and uh there are uh on an unintended uh side i think to that story so we'll uh, maybe talk about that too but we're also eager to talk to you this morning 
in any Rest way, shape, or form. True, true. Our call, call in number for anybody who'd uh, like to make any sort of uh, question, comment, or uh, proposal, one eight six 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 two five nine three seven eight is the number. Yep, and we do contemplate uh, most things naval uh, and stuff, as I like to say, on the Barefoot Blues Hour. And, uh, again, if you're uh, brave enough to call, we are brave enough to speak with you, too. We don't structure, uh, overstructure boat talk at all, and uh, it is just a delight how it goes sometimes. So, uh, you know, we can always allow for that. Boat talk is, is uh, uh, ab- absolutely unscripted, let's put it that way. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Let alone uh, Alan just made up his uh, cod uh, pun right there. The uh, cod story, in short, is that uh, down to Newfoundland in the 80s, when I left Nova Scotia, boy, they were just desperate and uh, uh, really agonizing over a cod moratorium, but they'd caught them all, and uh, there wasn't really good fishing anymore down there. And uh, So in uh, about 1990, they did have a cod moratorium down in Newfoundland, Kind of hard on the old island down there uh, to turn off the Grand Banks, which is the reason why it's kind of yeah. was settled and, and uh, you know, its riches come from in the first place, more or less. It's very similar to the Midwestern story of small towns that have a uh, one factory and that factory closes. In, in, a, in a lot of ways, yeah. Um, at the same time, they were... Um, had the oil coming on too, the Hibernia oil field, and and uh, some slick, and uh, was the uh, reputation <laughs> yeah, that's a good about pun that. Right there. Yeah, that was that was the uh, catchphrase. Uh, people I was hanging out with back in the day, and the cod were disappearing, and you know, uh, the oil worked out for them, and the cod have come back, and the cod uh, down to Newfoundland. Uh, was once considered uh, one of the uh, largest uh, stocks in the world until it disappeared in the 90s, and after uh, about a 30-year moratorium, Canadian scientists think the leading factors in the rebound are not the fact that they didn't fish cod for 30-odd years. Um, the factor is the warming water. All right, yeah. Yeah, and uh, the warming water byproduct of that is the capelin are booming, and the capelin feed the cod. And the cod, uh, having not been fished, now get to grow larger. And the larger fish have more babies, more mm. cod, uh, more bait for them. And uh, the whole thing is moving north. So that cod that didn't used to live in the Newfoundland range now do and are happy about it. Probably be living up towards Greenland, uh, you know, as things uh, move on and, and the water keeps warming. And we made this point on Boat Talk last month that the Gulf of Maine is special for its warming in terms of ocean waters in uh on this planet it's uh, like 95 percent uh um warming 95 percent faster than uh, the rest of them or uh, you know what i'm saying yeah there's very few that are warming faster than the gulf of maine it's a hot spot it is a hot spot be. and a very unique body of water let's not ever forget that um look on the map um i've got a chart of cape cape breton to cape cod on the wall at home and uh in between the end of Nova Scotia and, and Cape Cod, a big open dish faces the open ocean, and it looks uh, like it's all open, but it's not because of the Georges Bank yeah. seamount that's in the mouth of the thing. And again, a nice little cod factory down there. 
It's Spe- all changing. Yeah, it is changing. It's all changing. Yeah, and this is another change too. Speaking of the mouth of there now, there are uh, uh, permits, I believe, open for bid now for uh, exploratory well drilling right there down at the uh, at the southern end of the oil fields, which is the also the entrance to the Gulf of Maine. Only went across George's Bank once. We were coming back from Bermuda. We came directly back from Bermuda to Southwest Harbor in a uh, Alden 50 one time, and we had a uh, 48-hour spinnaker run that ended on George's Bank in the fog in the morning. And, and uh, the point being, it was a, uh, a pretty, I thought, remarkable place. Uh, it's a pretty interesting piece of ocean that it's so shallow and uh, very foggy out there and crowded when we were out there. Huh. Uh, fishing boats everywhere, mm-hmm. yeah, and, and us blundering through with a spinnaker, which we can't really alter our course, which was stupid, <laughs> I'd like to point out. And uh, so anyway, um, remarkable piece of ocean is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really is. I haven't been out there for a long time, but I remember it well. So, um, again, uh, look on a map, and the Gulf of Maine, uh, you know, it's uh, special on the outside and the inside, the Gulf of Fundy. For instance, uh, world-class tides, and again, the Georges Bank stuffing the mouth of the thing yeah. is uh, kind of remarkable. Well, while we're still on the subject of uh, Fisherman's Voice, in this month's uh, issue of Fisherman's Voice, there is a, an excellent uh, article by Glenn, our friend Glenn, Glenn Libby. Remember uh, him from the Boatyard Dog Trials? All right. Yeah, his dog, Red. Um Another story of Glenn's Glenn's boat taking a trip by itself too, but that we'll save that for another day. Uh, Glenn wrote an uh, interesting uh, article that's in this month's Fisherman's Voice, which you can pick up locally or you can get it online at fishermansvoice.com. Uh, his article gives the fisherman's viewpoint of the fisheries in general, and and he does mention cod in that too. Mm. So he, yeah, he's saying that there's a lot of politics in there that's really uh, being a problem. Fishermen and the scientists don't always line up. And I would suggest that it's possibly like the scientists and the politicians. Nobody likes somebody you can't argue with, (laughs) okay? And science will uh, not always have the truth, but it will find it. Uh-huh. The hypothesis always being open uh, is the scientific scientific method, and we're open to data and, uh, you know, to change our minds to, about what's going on here and look at the things that science has figured out that you and I wouldn't even, I'm telling you, chummy, we wouldn't even imagine, let alone guess at and be able to figure, you know. So you're saying that the politicians want to argue with what the scientists have figured out. Oh, uh, nobody wants to be dictated to and say there's no choices here. Um, you know, mm-hmm. this is how it is. Boy, they don't like that at well, all. I think there's just a lag time because I think the fishermen or the scientists are realizing that cotton are, well, the whole, everything's taking a shift north and it's not necessarily the overfishing that's, that's the the sole problem, pardon the pun, of cod fishing. I think that the, uh, you know, the, the politicians take a while to go through the evidence and then believe the evidence and then make new legislation to take care of the, uh, the legislation that's preventing the fishermen from getting what they would like to. Let's not forget the point of fishing in the first place, too. Uh, again, 
fisherman I met a long, long time ago, he says, he says, look, he says, my job's not catching these things, it's selling them. And it's about money when you get right down to it. That's what Glenn, is, uh, Glenn says in his article, too. Yeah. Uh, now, down to Newfoundland, the boats and the fish plants, guess what? They ain't there no more. Hmm. And that is, again, the infrastructure. Uh, Working Waterfront is a great, uh, uh, you know, is a great uh, publication of the... Uh, uh, Island Institute. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, but it is a phrase that uh, carries a lot of resonance, and you need a working waterfront. Uh, you can't just conjure these things up out of, out of uh, nowhere. You need uh, history, legacy, and uh, future mm-hmm. uh, and a working waterfront. And again, Newfoundland's uh, cod is coming back. How's that going to work out in the future? Can't wait to see them uh, possibly catch them all again. Who knows? Uh, you know, It uh, <laughs> could be that our lobsters are going to be living down there in a few years as our it's... water gets out. Yeah, ain't that funny? That's yeah, not funny. Ain't and, that funny? And the shrimp and scallop. Yeah, we, the yeah. story could go on that way. Yeah, let's start talking about Bowden for a few minutes here. Now, the uh, schooner Bowden now owned by the Maine Maritime Academy, and you couldn't have better people owning a boat to take care of it. The schooner boat. Let's give a little back history on it. Yeah, that. it's a national historic. Yeah, monument. national historic uh, monument, so to speak. It was built in 1921. She's coming up on 100 years old, and. Uh, yeah. Fellow named Donald B. McMillan, uh, commissioned her, had her had her uh, designed by William Hand, famous uh, naval architect. And in 1921, he sold shares in the thing to buddies of his. You could buy a share from Donald McMillan back in 1920 or so, and uh, for $100, you could be a uh, co-owner of the Bowden. Huh. He had it built in uh, East Booth Bay, Maine at Hodgson Brothers, place that is still right there. Right. Yeah, and... Uh, he uh, went north, and uh, uh, before uh, 1955, uh, he made uh, you know a couple dozen trips above the Arctic Circle, including sold the boat to the U.S. Navy during World War II. Yeah, for a dollar, I believe. Yeah, and uh, she did Arctic patrols and did a lot of charting, and that was part of her job all mm-hmm. along, uh, making charts as well as uh, exploring uh, cultural uh, you know interaction and. Um, and all the time looking for submarines. Sailboats were very prized at the beginning of the war for looking for submarines. And one of my favorite parts of the uh, Bowden story, and, and uh, you'll hear this from the crew if you uh, chat with them about her history. This is part of part of their uh, part of the legend. She's up in uh, Greenland waters in World War II, and U-boats are everywhere. Mm-hmm. And I just read a great book by a uh, Japanese guy. Uh, uh, Orita was his name, called I-Boat Commander. He survived World War II. He was off of Pearl Harbor on December 7th in a mm. Japanese submarine, and he was one of the few Japanese submariners who survived the war. The thing about the submariners is they sink boats and kill seamen. And that made that boat, that book was fascinating, but really hard to read. And the Germans, I'm telling you what, um, the Bowden is up there. She's on watch, and uh, she is a target. And the legend on the Bowden is the Germans didn't really... She was a sympathetic target. The Germans were sail-trained, and they see that beautiful schooner. It's not the first boat they want to sink, and she survived possibly um, on her on her. Uh, <laughs> on her see own, what I'm uh, saying? Aesthetics, yes. Yeah. Huh, that's so that's great. that's part of the legend they they uh, talk about on the deck of the boat, or did talk about on the deck of the boat when she had a deck because she doesn't right now. <laughs> yeah. Well, we have Andros on the phone, right. so let's let's uh, let's oh, and. Andrews will, okay, we'll keep trying. Okay, sorry, yep. we're going to 
keep trying for animals. No problem. And, and again, they have uh, no deck on the boat right now. The uh, uh, job was to replace the deck. Took the deck off, found a little bit of stuff under it needed uh, uh, replacing, and took a, a good part of the plankage above the waterline off of the boat as well and replaced a uh, bunch of uh, frame heads, stem heads, uh, stanchions, and uh, right now they are, I believe, planking the boat back up. You can go to the Maine Maritime Academy website, mainemaritime.edu, and uh, there is a wonderful set of uh, pictures under, uh, oh, what's it under, uh, uh, projects and uh, on, ongoing uh the stem heads are, are particularly vulnerable when you start getting freshwater deck leaks because that's the end grain that's exposed on the top of those frames, and uh, it really wants to soak up water and then really wants to get rotten when that happens. One of my favorite uh, boat builder sayings, and it works for about uh, everything, Alan, is uh, absorb water, die an ugly, rotten death, and shed water like a duck, you will live a long, happy life, you know, mm-hmm. and it's all about where the water goes. Yeah. And... Uh, on the other hand, as uh, hopefully we'll uh, get to ask him, a uh, boat like the Bowden is a national historic landmark. And that means you have to stick to traditional methods where we might like to uh, use some modern watershedding uh, ideas and products. That's not exactly how we're going to fix this boat up. So, um, again, national historic uh, uh, monument. Uh, great history, and the boat, again, um, was bought back from the United States Navy for $4,000 and was owned by the uh, Mystic Seaport for a bunch of years until it, it uh, went to Maine Maritime Academy. And, again, I don't think anybody could uh, love and take care of that boat better. Uh, she's down on the waterfront in Castine, Maine most of the time and uh, just inside of the training ship state of Maine and always worth a visit. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, speaking of using traditional methods, I'm not sure if Harvey Gamage is a National Historic Monument or not. I I don't think so, but um, they just uh, did some restoration work on that. Phineas, our friend Finn Sprague down in uh, Portland Yacht Services, uh, replanked a lot of the bow because that boat had had a uh, a leaking bow for for many many years, and uh, so they finally tore it apart and replaced a bunch of planks and a couple, I guess a few frames and you, uh, put it back together with trunnels. Trunnels? Yeah. And not because they couldn't uh, probably afford some nice bronze screws, but because trunnels uh, make a pretty good nail. Yeah, they do. And a trunnel is a wooden peg, yeah. basically, that goes into a pretty tight hole. and, and very you know, traditional, that's yeah, for sure. Yeah, wedges stuff. Uh, Before they figured out. How to make yeah. iron. <laughs> we have Andrews on the phone now, so let's let's go to Andrews. Good morning, Andrews. Hey, good morning, guys. How are you this morning? Welcome to Boat Talk. Excellent. Hey, thank you. Andros, um, uh, you got uh, you got to tell us about yourself, man. Uh, Andros uh, Kipagora Shipbuilding, uh, am I correct about that? Uh, that's correct. Yeah. Uh, how did you learn your trade, man? What happened to you when you was young? You grew up to be a shipbuilder, as we like to ask uh, around Boat Talk. Well, I guess I, I learned it uh, the traditional way. I went, I got a job on a uh, on a big lumber schooner that was being built out in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, of all places. And uh, uh, basically, I just dropped out of college and uh, 
was looking for work and that kind of came across my way and I went out there and I worked for a couple I was supposed to be there for a three-month apprenticeship I ended up staying for almost three years and uh worked for a couple pretty pretty great guys out there and then uh from there uh did more of like a journeyman type thing where I traveled around and worked for a couple other different people and uh you know eventually felt like I had the skills and the confidence enough to sort of start taking work on for myself and then from there just sort of uh you know kept learning kept doing it and uh here I am now that's sort of a you know in a nutshell review of it uh no no faking experience as we like to say at boat talk it's a um, kind of specialty gig nowadays but there is a bunch of uh big old wooden boats out there yeah there's a bunch of big old wooden boats there's you know there's a handful of people that are doing this type of work um you know it definitely falls into the category of, of big boat building um you know we generally work on stuff that's you know 70 foot or bigger generally double sawn frame construction um and uh you know it's just a lot of big fun big fun stuff to work with now i met you uh last year the year before i forget which one it was you uh, uh put a new mast together for the boat and uh, uh very well done that got you this gig here too um tell us what what you're working at now what the uh, job is uh right now we're working on the uh the first phase of a longer term restoration project that main maritime academy is is doing with the boat um they were uh, the decks that they had on the boat were about 30 years old and so you know as you can imagine lumber that that that's that old is you know starts to get tired and starts to let water through and so they're having a lot of problems with leaks through the deck through the covering board um some rotten stanchions and so sort of the idea was to replace the deck and uh some of the uh some of the top timbers and um you know sort of create a, a cover over the rest over the boat and uh, you know, would be that would be phase one, uh, stop the fresh water from coming in, and then it, I believe that phase two, phase three will be you do one side of the boat, and then do the other side of the boat below the water line, uh, do a bunch of reframing and, and things. I think they get done under there. Um, so this is just the first step, and you know, sort of an overall rehabilitation of the boat. So right now we've got uh, the deck off. We've got uh, the original plan was to take three strakes of planking off. We ended up going down to strake number eight. Uh, in the midship section on the boat on both sides, there was a bunch of uh, rod and frames in lieu of the chain plates, uh, basically the same spot on both sides. There's about six or seven frames per side that we had to replace in addition to the stanchions. Um, and so we're, uh, October 26th was the official start date of the job. And right now, yesterday, we put on the last strike of, uh, last plank of strike number four. And so we're basically back to uh, the original scope of work, which is uh, the top three strakes. Um, all the stanchions have been replaced. I think we've got about half a dozen or so to put back on. Um, and we're fairing up all the, the rest of the frames and the stanchions. And we should be, hopefully by the end of this week, start putting the shear plank back on, which will be exciting because that means we'll be able to move right into uh, doing covering boards. So, again, to work on the deck. You never know till you rip it apart, and as you said, you've been working since October 26, and you've just got back to the point where you thought you would have started from. Right. Yeah. That's the love the thing. love the old wooden boats. Job security on yeah. this. Yeah. Well, that's the unfortunate thing about the wooden boats. You know, I mean, you, you do your best guess of you know what you think the project's going to be, and you know until you start doing a destructive survey, you don't really know what you're going to run into. Um, so this job has sort of had a, a stopping point of where we where we were going to go. 
with the idea that anything additional that we found would be taken care of in the subsequent uh, phases of the of the restoration project. So, but we didn't run into anything too bad. You know, there's definitely a couple of frames that still probably need a little bit of attention, but um, you know, overall the rest of the boat looks like it's in pretty good shape. So, you know, definitely caught it just in time. Didn't want to let that go that go too much longer than what it than what it did. So. If the bad spots sort of show themselves, and, and again, uh, not everywhere uh, tend to be problem areas, how do we learn and, and defeat them in the future, given the fact that this is a National Historic uh, Landmark and we can't use modern compounds and adhesives? Uh, we do use some modern compounds and adhesives. We try to keep that pretty limited. Um, you know, for example, we did replace a, a bit of the a small section of the deck clamp um it was run from the backside, and that was several that was several layers that were stacked on top of each other so you know to replace it was a it was like a four foot section or something like that and so i mean to replace the whole thing was uh removing a lot of unnecessary wood and you know really having to dig back a lot more than what we had to so instead we you know we chose to uh to do a scarf there and and glue a piece in as like a repair but uh, but other than that, you know, I mean, we try to stick with, uh, you know, we bet everything in, we use pine tar and linseed oil, bet everything in pine tar and linseed oil while the thing surfaces get it. Um, and, um, you know, coat everything with linseed oil as it goes on to help with the drying process and also just to help preserve the wood. Um, but we try to stick with, you know, using using traditional techniques for all of it, try and keep the, try and keep the synthetics to a minimum. It's a... Uh like say uh, a job of shedding water um, yeah <laughs> when you get so, right but, down to it but yeah we've got some beautiful white pine for the deck that came out of vermont um there's a pretty cool story with that the stuff was planted as a uh, as a stand of pines back in i think it was 1904 by a forester um who actually kept a log book and a journal of every single one of those pieces of, of every one of the trees that he planted and there's actually a book with uh, he would go out there every year and measure all the trees in the stand and record their growth rates and record different characteristics about them and prune them and take care of them. In fact, the, the guy's son is uh, alive and he's friends with a sawyer where we got the wood from. And he was telling us that he remembers going out to the woods with his dad and, you know, his dad saying stuff like, oh, let's go check out number 206. That's a, that's a pretty special tree. And they go out and they look at this one particular tree and, you know, it was growing 20% faster than all the trees around it. So it was, you know, guess that it was either a special patch of soil or there was something special about the seedling that he had planted. Um, so we got pine from this guy's forest that he planted, and it's, uh, it's a beautiful white pine. Nice. How thick does the deck go down? Uh, the deck is feet, uh, two and three quarters of an inch square. Straight, so, or, straight or sprung, Andros? Uh, it's a straight deck. Yeah. The uh, uh, planking you take off... Um, now uh, you got to tell us too. Um, Lyman Morse has uh, uh, bought Wayfarer down in Camden. There, they've yep. been uh, extraordinarily generous and set you up with a space, haven't they? Yeah, it's been really great working with those guys. When the bid for the project first came out, um, I don't I don't own a shipyard, so a lot of time, you know, most of my work is either get, you know get contacted directly by a shipyard. Um, you know, they they're looking at a project or they have a project and they need somebody to come in and do it. Um, we're a mobile operation, so we, you know, we tend to travel around to, you know, wherever the work is. It's pretty much all on site. Um, so when the bid packet came out for the Bowden project, uh, I approached, well, Lyman Morris had gotten the same bid packet, and uh, I, I approached them about uh, the possibility of partnering up 
and uh, and doing this project together, uh, they had already hosted the Ladona project um, the you know, last year, basically. And uh, so I was thinking, well, maybe they'd be interested in, in doing the Bowden as well, seeing as the Ladona and the Bowden are, I suppose, as close to sister strips as you can get. Um, you know, I think the Ladona is just a little bit shorter, but a little bit wider. I can't remember exactly, but... Um, and uh, Drew was, uh, you know, he was pretty excited about about doing uh, hosting the Bowden project. So we um, decided to go in on it together and uh, and basically put a bid where uh, Lyman Morse was hosting the project and they were going to uh, pick up on their end. They were going to, you know, the hauling and the storing of the boat and then also any type of systems work uh, or fabrication work that needed to be done uh, would be done through Lyman Morse. So uh, there is a lot of system work that's happening, uh, you know, sort of like the big, it's a, it's a bigger refit than just the woodworking part of it. And so Lyman Morris is uh, providing the labor and the, the expertise for that. And you are not in a drafty, temporary structure in Maine in, in January. <laughs> no, we're actually, uh, after uh, last winter uh, being so brutal, there was a lot of concern about uh, this winter being the same. And uh, originally we were planning on basically occupying the same spot that Madonna had and putting up a, you know, the traditional, uh, you know, stick-built uh, shrink-wrap building. The traditional uh, shrink-wrap building. <laughs> and, uh, um, but after last winter, uh, there was a lot of concern, especially from Maine Maritime Academy, that um, if it was going to be that cold and we're going to have that much snow, that that would uh, really push back our, uh, what's set as a deadline. Uh, there's a couple of trips this summer that the boat um, needs to do, and so there was there was a fear that if we were outside, that it was, uh, you know, it would impede progress in a lot of ways, which is true. Um, and so they decided to spend the extra money and um, get us an indoor storage spot at uh, with Lyman Morris, which is really nice. We're we're getting a little soft, you know. We're not working outside this winter. So. Soft and old, yes, I understand. Yeah, uh, but like it's it. really nice. I mean, you show up to work and you can just uh, you just start working. You don't have to warm the place up. Uh, your tools aren't frozen. Uh, everything's not just a giant block of ice that you have to chip out before you get started. So um, I would definitely say that it's paying off. You can get quite a bit more done. You mentioned uh, Ladona, uh, I believe formerly known as Nathaniel Bowditch, right? That's, yeah, that's correct. Yeah, our friend uh, Ben Barnes, uh, Noah Barnes, fixing that up. Uh, yep. Our friend... Uh, Giffy Full and uh, co-host Allen here went down and looked at that uh, last season. Um, Speaking of cold, Noah told us when we were down here that they actually shattered two hammers really that were really cold. And pounded yeah, them I believe them. that. <laughs> yeah, um, we spoke, uh, and again, uh, you know, there's a lot of boats out there. They need uh, an old boat. You can't just say, okay, uh uh, 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 what do you call it? Uh, maintenance free. Words that right. again don't don't ever apply for a second. Um, we talked. Let's not use any names. We talked of an old schooner that's uh, well known down east. She's stored for a few years. She's just been relaunched and chartered to the south of here, and uh, mm-hmm. she's launched with a huge twist in her and a new deck. And you stand yep. behind her, and she's twisted all the port sideways, and you go, "Whoa!" And again. Um, a uh, boat like Bowden, or, or uh, I mean, uh, you are a handy fellow to know. Yeah, there's, you know, it definitely takes some work to uh, to maintain, and you know, basically, I mean, it's, it kind of seems like no matter what, every thirty to forty years, uh, you know, these boats need a pretty major overhaul. Um, 
you know, if you're doing a good job maintaining them, you can get closer to 40 years. And if not, then you're going to get closer to 30 years. Um, but, you know, that kind of seems to be the, you know, the general cycle for, you know, especially when the boat's getting used and they're, you know, a lot of these boats do get used hard and they're sailing a lot. They're on the water, you know, pretty constantly. So, um, you know, 30 or 40 years is about what you can expect out of a, out of a major rebuild. And again, no matter, no matter how you do it, it's just, just, uh, uh, the nature of the materials and, and the life cycle of the vessel. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, um, tell me but, another thing. Now, it's beautiful for you being in that warm, heated building, but strictly speaking, we would not like to bring a, uh, a nice, juicy, uh, moist wooden boat into our dry, uh, totally heated uh, houses in, in January and February. As Yeah, yeah, it's definitely uh, it's posing a little bit of a problem. We should be, actually, this week, uh, we're taking care of it. We The original plan was to uh, set up some type of uh, humidity misters uh, underneath the boat, um, and with the plan was to do that from the get-go, but because some of the work that we had to do was uh, actually extended below the waterline, especially in the it was both in the midships area, uh, so we kind of held off on that until we completed the the work in the midships area of the boat, and uh, we just buttoned that up uh, on uh, yesterday. Actually, we we put the last plank on that. Uh, now we can uh, set a skirt up around the boat, and uh, Lyman Morris has a couple of misters that we'll be setting up. And that should be happening on Thursday, actually. Basically, you just uh, run a plastic skirt around the whole waterline of the boat, and then the misters sit uh, 1.1 starboard back aft and basically just uh, blow water into this big tent. And uh, we'll, I think that in combination with the radiant heat floor, you know, that should create a nice humid environment under there to help uh, help keep the stuff from drying out too much. Uh, definitely got some. You know, cracking paint, a couple of the seams, you know, you can see where their seam compounds sort of separating, um, some checking here and there, but nothing too, nothing too bad. But, uh, you know, we're definitely uh, keeping an eye on it, and uh, we're kind of, it was a big priority. We had a big push with everybody, you know, kind of like working in that direction of getting the boat to the point where you can put the skirt on it and get the misters going to kind of help with that, that drawing, keep it from happening. Big point being that a uh, wooden boat, boat needs to be kept moist. It keeps the wood swelled up when the, bo- when the boat shrinks and dries. The planks yeah. pull apart, and then the water comes through. And uh, yeah. always a good Did time you? with a uh, very dry wooden boat just launched at the dock, uh, you know, saying, well, she'll, so, she'll swell up, she'll swell up, and then you go home and lay in bed going, oh, my God, did she swell up? So, <laughs> so again, we have they to usu- keep her moist. They, uh, usually, they usually do. Yeah, and we've been there, and uh, again, you're still going to worry, ain't you? And so we got to keep her moist and plump. Uh, yeah. How many people you got working down there? Uh, there's about seven, us, uh, seven of us now. Nice. Uh, eight including, eight including myself, so um, plus the Lyman Morse guys, which uh, there's a little bit of a time off for them right now. With There's not too many of them working on the boat right now. There was uh, a lot of design work and, you know, sort of the decisions being made on uh, on some of the systems work. Um but I think they just got. Uh, I think they just got to go ahead to move forward with a bunch of that stuff. So we'll be seeing a lot more of them on the boat starting up here soon. We're obviously going to have pressure to uh, launch that boat in the spring. Look, look good in a uh, clear path. Yeah, we're looking good so far. Um, you know, sort of the idea is uh, end of May of uh, getting the boat back in the water um, and um, uh, getting it rigged and uh, having her operating by you know sometime mid to late summer would be the plan. Is the plan right now? Um, 
And it's looking pretty, I think we're looking pretty doable. Um, actually, some of the systems work is uh, they're getting their uh, main engine. We hauled the main engine out of there. That's getting rebuilt. Oh, uh, nice. Cummins, if my understanding is correct, uh, Cummins is donating. Uh, they've got a technician who's going to spend the winter up in Castine, and they're going to rebuild uh, Bowden's main engine as uh, part of their uh, small small diesels class. Up nice. There. So, so and, um, and you know, there's a lot of that going on, and we're you know we we're trying to get the students involved as much as possible. That you know, there's a uh, a core group of kids that are involved with the Bowden, so we. You know, we're having some of, like, bunks and stuff like that. We're having the kids up there make it. Um, we can't really have them working on the boat or, you know, some of the insurance stuff because we can't really be down here directly working on it. But we're trying to get some stuff going up there that, you know, uh, stuff that can be happening on site that the students can be involved in and, and keep a hand in it, too. So it is part of the mission of the boat is the education part. So we're trying to we're trying to accommodate that. And uh, as I asked you last night, we have a good time doing this too, don't we? No, oh, it's always fun, you know. And, Andrews, are you taking pictures of this as you're uh, making progress? Yeah, I'm trying to. You know, I'm pretty. Uh, I'm pretty bad with trying to uh, keep track of taking pictures and everything. Yeah. Uh, but I, you know, I I do have some pictures. I haven't posted anything online. I know that uh, a couple of the main Maritime Academy guys, when they come down, they take pictures and they put them online. Um, yeah, you know, I've got a I've got a website that's you know got some pictures of uh, some past projects and stuff like that, and I keep meaning to uh, try to get some stuff uploaded that's that are that's current, but it's it's not my strong suit. You cannot be a traditional boat builder without a social media uh, division of the corporation. Uh, I'm sorry, yeah. I'm very I'm realizing this myself. Well, currently I'm both the president and the janitor, you know. So. Well, uh, so get the message. Yeah. <laughs> and again, uh, we don't have to like this, but it's uh, it's a miracle, and you know, it yeah, ain't no, it ain't no. as hard as some other stuff, man. Come on. So so I know I should be better at it. I should be doing more of it. But yeah. stuff I don't like to learn, honest to God. But you know, we can. That's what I'm saying. So what is the uh, website? I'm guessing uh, it's uh, akshipbuilding.com. AK shipbuilding. Ah, that's uh, that saves having to spell your last name. Yeah, that's it. Does, yeah, <laughs> yeah you, uh, you got to shorten it a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> nice. And uh, again, point people at the uh, Maine Maritime Academy uh, website. Ongoing uh, projects. Uh, uh, you know, yeah, got somewhere some... in the way on the website too. They've uh, they've got a time lapse camera. Uh, so every so often, I think they add to the video. It takes a takes a short video every so often so uh, i know there's like a i think there's like a 30 second video of basically us taking the deck apart it's pretty fun to watch now wonderful gig you got there um the uh small specialty world you inhabit does that make for job security or job uh you know worrying about when you go project to project and uh well, yeah you definitely worry about going from project to project you know i mean it's uh it's pretty rare to actually have them lined up back to back all right uh you know these the, the big project is sort of like they're far and few between. Um, but it always, you know, it seems to work out. There's enough of us out there that it, you know, makes it competitive and, you know, makes it so you still have to work for it. Um, and, you know, there's enough boats out there to kind of keep all of us busy. So it, it seems to work out just fine. And support your beautiful young family. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. All right, man. Well, Andros, uh, we have another call on the line, so we're going to have to uh, say goodbye, but I'm sure we'll be talking with you again in the future. Yeah, sounds good. Very good. Thank you, Andros. All right. Have a good day, guys. Yep. 
All right, we're going to go to, I believe, Captain Yo. Good morning, Yo. Are you there? Yes, good morning. Uh, I have a question for Andros. Oh, well, I think we just uh, I think we just hung up on him. Yeah, we just went well, back anyway, to work. I'll, but I'll get it out there, and uh, who knows, maybe somebody will call in. Um, I'm presuming with this mister thing to keep the boat damp that he's using fresh water. And I've observed with Annie McGee that when the wood is very salty, it retains more moisture. And then this last spring when I put her in to make her take up, uh, Ralph Stanley suggested I put the hose to her, and I had the distinct impression I was sort of rinsing a lot of salt out of the planking. So uh, I wondered if they had given some thought to salt content or, or if anyone does. Thank you guys for putting on this program, and thank you to everyone for supporting Community Radio. Fresh and salt. I yeah. spend a good part of my delivery career desalting boats, but these are uh, uh, top sides. Of course, yeah. always need to be desalted. And uh, yeah, the uh, I, I you do get some surface salt uh, on the outside because of the evaporation that occurs, and I think rinsing that off probably does. Uh, get rid of some of the salt, but I don't think it goes very deep into the wood. My, my guess is that it wouldn't be a problem, but I'm no old salt on that in that regard. Uh, fresh water is more destructive than salt water True. Uh, in rotting things. I, w- I would say that's fair to say, yeah, but salt water will put, rot you out as well. That's why you put salt in your bilge. Yeah, but again, that's not, not the total panacea. We're not that salty. And... Uh, yeah, and the key is that you have to keep that boat moist. Uh, what I was taught when you haul a wooden boat out, I, I always painted the bottoms, called it slushy. Uh, let me think, uh, three parts of linseed, one part of turpentine, and paint that right on over the uh, bottom paint mm-hmm. as kind of a uh, moisture barrier for the storage of the winter. In the springtime, scuff that up with some sandpaper and put some bottom paint back on it. Uh, Linseed oil and turpentine is basically paint. Paint anyway. uh, More or less anyway, and that's what I was taught. And I know a uh, fellow who has a classic wooden boat, and he has a uh, boat shed on his property. Um, First time I came off the boat and stepped into a puddle, I I was upset. I had got my my, uh, shoes all wet. And then I looked at it, I thought, this is genius. He built his boat shop on a swampy piece of ground. (laughs) And it has a uh, path in and out for the truck on gravel that brings the boat in and out. It has a cement pad for the keel, but the rest of that's the old swampy backyard. Mm -hmm. And when it gets wet, the the boat shop is self-moisturizing. Yeah. Yeah, be a good one today. Pretty it? damn smart when you get right down to it. Uh, what kind of... Uh, so it's made with cedar posts or... Uh, yeah, cedar posts down, and, down and, a, and a swampy piece of ground. Yeah. And again, the, the ground in the in the shed floods mm-hmm. as the land around it does and, and keeps that boy, boat nice and moist for the wintertime. It's a low-class genius. <laughs> yeah, when you get right down to it. Yeah. Uh, oh, man, if we could just be accused of that sometime, let alone, uh, as somebody said to me on the dock, this... Uh, Summer uh, uh, wouldn't wouldn't want to be overqualified. I said, "Geez, I wish somebody would say that to me someday." Well, that could go on your business card. Yeah. yeah. Um, before we run out of time, I'd like to talk about our friend David Moses Bridges, who was on on the, I believe it was, February two thousand and thirteen boat talk when he talked about making uh, birch bark canoes. Right. Remember that one. Yes. Um, 
um, my friend of mine, I don't know if you know him or not, Tom Willie, made a movie that's going to be um, debuted, I believe, uh, this coming Sunday, the 17th, in Bar Harbor at the Criterion Theater at 2 o'clock. And it's a benefit because uh, shortly after David Moses Bridges was on this show talking about making uh, Birch Bark Canoes, he discovered he had cancer. And uh, it was pretty uh, serious for him and his family, especially when you're uh, self-employed. Um, so this documentary is going to be a benefit for David Moses and his family. Um, but anyway, this uh, uh, David Moses Bridges uh, building birch bark canoes is, do you remember that program? Yeah. 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 Um, we posted uh, a few pictures of the uh, oh, boats. Oh, beautiful Beautiful, work. beautiful yeah. boats, yes. I mean, not just cobbling one together, yeah. making a pretty one, too. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, I'm just trying to promote anybody who happened to be in Bar or would like to go to Bar Harbor uh, on Sunday the 17th, 2 o'clock, to see this movie. It's going to be a very interesting movie about making birch bark canoes and David Moses Bridges. And as I said, made by a friend of mine named David uh, Tom Willie. Tom Willie, and I guess you don't know Tom, but you know his mom, Alberta. Remember Alberta Willie? Okay. The sewing shop at, at the Hinkley Company. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. She yeah, was yeah. she was the uh, head of the sewing shop, and boy, I'm okay, sure she's got world. some uh, yep, some stories to tell too, because uh, uh, her business making things for boat owners often involved dealing directly with the owners or more often uh, uh, females. Usually uh, uh, the owners of the Hinkleys back then were males and they brought along their wives or um, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and they, they would, would be the ones that talked about the curtains and the uh, cushions and all that sort of stuff. And Alberta had uh, some uh, some pretty interesting experiences where people would ex uh, come and expect uh, things to happen overnight kind of stories. And uh, boat building just doesn't seem to happen that way. But it's amazing how you, when you have to deal with owners at the very end, how they get so excited and so uh, wound up about having the, the boat ready. And there's always a, a million little details that are just keeping it from being what you want to call ready. Fellow told me a story one time about the, uh, uh, you know, the chain of custody, I guess, between the boatyard and the owners, uh, and then you got the workers as well. And sometimes, the worker will be uh, hired by the owner to do a project, and in particular, this guy used to uh, paint names on the back of boats, and he did it for the boatyard. But every once in a while, he'd do it for the owner of the boat, and the owner of the boat. Uh, was expecting an extraordinarily large bill where the fellow was just expecting to be paid uh, pretty regular for a couple hours' work. And, and uh, he made out like a bandit working directly for the owner, cutting out the middleman, because they had no idea what that was worth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, bills and boatyards are kind of legendary, mm -hmm. um, you know. So, uh, yeah, what's it worth, value? Yeah. Uh, good question. I'm very uh, happy that David Moses Bridges is becoming a movie star, as are we in the Raw Faith movie, of course. Uh, <laughs> uh, Raw Faith family saga, uh, Alan and I. Uh, should I say star in that, Alan? No, you know, I know. I don't movie think... star, uh, I'm a little swelled. But, Visually, but yes, we don't make an appearance at all. Very sorry to hear about David Moses Bridges' health, and, and uh, how could uh, anybody find that movie? Uh, that's Any a good idea? question. Your um, buddy. Yep. Uh, I'll have to 
call up Tom Willie and see if he wants to talk about it next yeah. month. But um, I, other than showing up at the uh, Criterion next Sunday at 2 o'clock, uh, where he may have some copies of it, I, I can't answer that question. Yeah, next Sunday at 2, Criterion, downtown by Haba. It is still, uh, we got 10 uh, yeah, we got plus minutes uh, left in Boat Talk this morning. Give us a call. 1-866-625-9378. Otherwise, we'll still have to keep talking about nothing. I uh, should mention, a, uh, if you're interested in the codfish down in Newfoundland, there's a uh, website to look at there, nrcresearchpress.com. And that would be the story of the... Uh, Cod coming back to Newfoundland again, a unintended consequence of global warming. Mm. And deny that all you want. I don't think that's uh, cool myself. Uh, you know, I got a degree in biology. I tend towards uh, keeping the hypothesis open and stuff. And, and again, well, in the 30 years I've been going to see, just 30 years, um, noticed a lot of changes. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Uh, last month we talked uh, with Steve Stone about houseboats. They're having a houseboat design contest at uh, offcenterharbor.com. Yes. Their wonderful website. Um, they actually have gotten some uh, some entries on that already, and uh, people have asked for a little extension on the time, so they've extended the uh, the deadline for getting your houseboat design to them until uh, Valentine's Day. It's, I thought that was... A, very sweet of them. I just had an idea about going vertical. You you don't want a lot of height on a traditional houseboat, I think. You don't make it top-heavy. Uh, well, it depends on where you're going to put it, I suppose. You yeah. Know, if you're going to be in some little hurricane hole, why I not? got to build a treehouse one time, and I, I just, uh, when you said that, I just, I saw multiple stories. Oh, I don't know if it's yeah. going to be practical or not. I'm going to have to get with my design team. Um, you, did you see the um, one that... Uh, Steve White made from containers. Oh, it's down on the dock in Belfast, yeah. uh, over by the travel lift at the Front I Street that's Shipyard. Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, kind of a uh, very purposeful looking. Uh, wouldn't call it beautiful <laughs> or anything, but it is purposeful and makes you want to well, yeah. kind of go look inside and hang out. Is what it looks like. It looks uh, very neat and nice. <laughs> yeah. Well, we have another phone call. Let's go to David. Good morning, David. Hi, thanks for the show. Great topics: the fish, the the boating. Uh, I get you know if you if you're looking for something else to talk about, which you know I can always help with that. Uh, I I heard about a uh, an old Indian class sailing boat. You know the Indian class sailing boat, all designed them racing boats. No, uh, not right off. Well, it's a nice boat. It's one of those boats for free. I went and looked at it, and uh, it's a lot of work. And I think I may be inclined to leave it where it's setting, but uh, uh, what the guy did is he glassed over twice the hull that was rotten. It's a 20-foot boat. It's pretty shallow draft, um, and the uh, frames are totally gone. Uh, the deck was glassed over, uh, so and and re uh, redone. So the deck is in more or less good shape. So the 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 gunnels uh, are more or less staying where they belong. Uh, but he's got all the all the uh, sailing gear good and ready to go. The mast, the sail, the rigging, all taken.
taken off and taken care of, but the hull itself is pretty far gone. Dave, um, what I would wonder if I was looking at that is, uh, you say glassed over, that connotes a lot of stuff from one layer of, of a boat cloth. To, the way the fishermen do it is you've got to make that thick, and basically yeah. you have to make a new hull, a yeah. thick enough hull on the outside it's of that. like that. Because the inside hull is going to rot out, and yeah, uh, when it does, it has to not matter. Yeah. And uh, that'll be ugly and inconvenient in a lot of ways. But but the uh, key to uh, fiberglassing over an old wooden boat is thickness and yeah. also mechanically fastening, stapling, or nailing the fiberglass to the old boat as you go is the way they do it. And, uh-huh. again, uh-huh. you need to build a thick enough boat on the outside of that, not just try to make a waterproof layer. That, that ain't going to work for a long time. The thing that's got me the most worried is thinking about the uh, centerboard case. Oh, God, centerboards are always a problem, mm. let alone, uh, you know, a rotten centerboard case with, oh, yeah, great. <laughs> There's nothing but rotten wood in between the fiberglass and the, you know. Uh, oh, you would, if if you're serious about that, uh, build a fiberglass boat on the outside, cut the damn thing out, and start all over again. Yeah, uh, you I would know. think so, yeah. Get all that wood out of there. Yeah. Right down to the fiberglass where the centerboard is. Yeah. Could I also make a suggestion, Dave? Yeah. Um, try and involve, uh, your friends, uh, you know, you got a buddy, uh, silly enough to want to fix this thing up with you, uh, yeah. uh, go sailing in the end, uh, try to involve yeah. other people in the project. Uh, yeah. if it ain't fun and, and doesn't have a That's successful right. outcome, um, a lot of these things end up, uh, one of the typicals is, uh, you know, start, no finish. So, yeah. um, and that's a good reason. If you think that's a, a possibility, leave her right where she sits, you know? Um, once again, we'd like to point out boats are all about dreams and potential, and even a rotten boat in the backyard has potential. I love it, but you got to keep the dream alive. Yeah, exactly what I'm saying. Uh, on the other hand, we need to dream semi-intelligently in some days because the boat's, uh, you know, yep. as we like to say, it's only that long and that wide. How much trouble could it be? Plus, it can yep. kill you, so, you know. It's not a livelihood. It's a hobby, and, uh, you know, it's one I haven't really picked up yet, much as I would like to. So. Uh-huh. There you go. All right. Well, thanks a lot. Well, thank you, David. Good luck. Yep. And, uh, again, we're doing boat talk this morning. Uh, We talked to Andros Kipagoros, AK Shipbuilding uh, would be the website to try there, rebuilding the boat, an interesting uh, young fellow. And you talk about talented and hardworking is is the impression that I got. We need to uh, put an extension on the end of this show. You know, it's... uh, it's amazing how many people wait to call up to the very well, end. <laughs> Lights flash. Let's answer the yeah. phone. So, yep, we will. We'll go to uh, Catherine right now. Good morning, Catherine. Good morning. Uh, I've heard through the grapevine, and I'd like you to expound on this, please. You're coming to our Appleton Library to give a talk. Uh, hello. Boy, first I heard about it. <laughs> Alan does a the cool thing about being partners with Alan, he does all kinds of stuff I don't know anything about. <laughs> he just does it. Same with me. You well, know? but but isn't is is that not true? Oh my goodness! That the boat talk guys are coming to the Appleton Library. Well, I don't know about the guys. I thought you were Alan. <laughs> oh, uh, no, uh, that's the first I've heard of it. Oh my goodness! I guess I'll have it to must go be back a different check. Alan, maybe. No, I said boat talk guy. I said boat talk. All right. Huh. Well, yeah. anyway. Botox, I'm perhaps? Anyway. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thank you. Bye. <laughs> Bye, Catherine. Well, don't know anything yeah, about that. Don't know how we could entertain, uh, honestly. I was asked to uh, if I was interested in a, a storytelling thing, and I says, well, possibly. And then he 
said it was on stage, and it's like, absolutely not. Uh, maybe on the radio, possibly. <laughs> Probably not, but I yeah. know. Right out in front of people? What are you, nuts? Yeah. We're a lot better looking on the radio. You, you've actually become pretty comfortable at the uh, boatyard dog trials where you're not necessarily in front of people. Uh, I yeah. hope to be comfortable next summer, Alan. I think I learned something last summer, but I might have forgot what it was. And, again, we've been doing this gig for a number of years because they're nice enough to ask us and keep asking us back. And it's Main embarrassing. Boats, homes and harbors, yes. Stand up in front of a couple hundred people on a Sunday morning in August with a Mr. Microphone and go, How you doing? Because uh, and it's essentially what I learned this summer. The job is cheerleading. Not much of a cheerleader though, <laughs> is what I learned this well, summer. So we'll try to try. I think it's pretty easy year. when you get you know when the dog is energetic and you just kind of. You know, we're gonna like work Washington on our pyramids sports. and flips this winter, Alan. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> yes. Yeah. You have to get some flashier shorts too, Mike. Yes. So I think we're just about ready to sail away here on uh, Boat Talk. Phone going to be making... Ringing or not right now. No, I think we're... All right. We're, we're devoid of phone calls. Got a couple of uh, uh, things uh, lined up for the winter. Um, uh, interested in talking to a liveaboard uh, who likes to go to high latitudes uh, sometime this winter in the local area. He's going to be able to go further and further with this. Uh, yeah, that's warming. the truth. Uh, I say he likes to go uh, far north. Um, our friend James Nelson, who is uh, author of a number of uh, historical uh, maritime novels, the, quote, heir to Patrick O'Brien, uh, then the uh, historian at the main uh, maritime museum down in Bath, has written yet another new book. Uh, they stopped buying his books, and uh, they've started buying them again. Well, I talked to James Nelson. His new book's called The French Lieutenant. And, uh, oh, uh, again... We'll I believe he's also written some fiction, too. Some um, This is fiction, North- yes. Okay, yes. This is All fiction, right. yeah. Right. And uh, he's also, again, a historian down at the Maine State Museum in uh, Bath, they were selling his historical novels at the gift shop, and they sold so many, they created a, dem- a demand for more of his books. For, oh, the printing company. Yes, oh. whereas the, the publisher had stopped buying them because of lack of demand. And again, his uh, job as historian down there created demand. Well, we'll be talking with him, hopefully. Back uh, being published again, the French Lieutenant, month James Nelson, yeah. Uh, Boat talk uh, about out, ain't we? We're just about ready to make room for yeah, Rich Hill Singer. Pull them again, next. probably. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks to Amy down in the engine room. Support for WERU comes from our listeners and from Gamble & Hunter Sailmakers, making sales for classic boats, cruising boats, and